Hey there, welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on this Monday afternoon. If you were school aged or older in 1986, you probably remember when you were when you heard of the Challenger disaster. You probably even remember where you were when you heard of it. But what you may not know is that the entire tragedy could have been avoided. An engineer had tried to warn NASA that the O-rings for the fuel system would not seal properly under low temperatures. His warnings were, as we, as we all could expect, ignored, and this flaw led to a massive disaster. How many warnings do we get in our own lives that we ignore to our own detriment? We are joined by Marcus Grodai. Marcus Grodai is the president and founder of the Coming Home Network. He received his Master of Divinity degree from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and was ordained to Protestant pastoral ministry. During his more than 15 years of youth, young adult, and pastoral ministry, his main emphasis was church and lay spiritual renewal. Marcus, his wife Marilyn, and their two older sons, John, Mark, and Peter, were received into the Catholic Church on December the 20th, 1992. Their third son, Richard, entered through baptism. And you may visit him and find out more about his work on chnetwork.org. C-H-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.org. Marcus, my friend, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing uh, fine, Marcus, and it's good to talk to you, uh, uh, a brother with the same name. <laughs> a brother with the same name, and, you know, I, I, I hope I share your evangelistic zeal. I must say, uh, despite the fact that you've, you've said that you, you publicly want to tone down the amount you're doing, you're not, you're not toning down at all. You're continuing to preach the gospel as much as you can. Well, I appreciate that. It's kind of funny. Uh, yes, on the one hand... I've I've decided, and I'm in discernment of what God's calling me to do, is I've passed the baton of leadership of my ministry activities on to my, particularly my oldest son, John Mark, who now uh, manages the uh, day-by-day operations of the Coming Home Network, and he's also now the host of the Journey Home program, which you joined me on oh, a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and that was a great pleasure. And, uh, of course, long ago I also passed on the baton of preaching to my middle son, Peter, who is now a priest in the Diocese of Toledo. So mm. uh, so part of the time I, I sit around wondering what am I going to do with myself now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But what's funny is this last Saturday, I, I kind of started a blog only because what do I do? And uh, I woke up in the morning not anticipating to write an article at all. It, it, it wasn't on my computer screen and then I read that article in the Wall Street Journal, right, about the Challenger. So, for those and of you, who, uh, sorry, j- just for the, for our listeners, for those of you wondering, uh, Mark Marcus is referring to an article written by Rachel McCleary, uh, entitled "The Man Who Tried to Stop the Space Shuttle Challenger's Launch," published in the Wall Street Journal on January twenty seventh. So, Marcus, continue. You you read the article, and that inspired uh, you to write your brilliant article. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate that uh, kind kind word. I read the article, and of course, as you mentioned to the audience, I remembered. And as I said in my article, I remembered when that happened, and it was it left a stark image on my mind mm-hmm. because I was a young minister. I was getting ready to preach at the first church where I was a solo pastor. I was preparing my first sermon, and then I saw that happen, and I had to put the sermon aside and talk to the people about that, because I knew they would all be still in some level of shock. But as I thought about the article, it was, again, you and me are both evangelists, I suppose, and I thought about that, and it struck me that, okay, here 36 years later, I remembered that 
I remembered mm-hmm. that it had been revealed earlier that this had been warned and right. then the warning had been ignored. Right. And when I thought about that, and you know what I'm talking about, Marcus, you see an image and then it, by God's grace you think, wait a second, it's a preaching image. Right. And, and, and that's what it led me to think about what other warnings in our life do we hear? And maybe they, they shout at us and we ignore them for a variety of reasons. And that morning, I just happened to be in my personal devotions, which are mainly reading through Scripture every day forever. I happened to be reading Romans chapter 13. Mm. And it just struck me that these went together. And out of that is what the article uh, evolved. You know, I love that you bring up Romans. I was looking at, uh, your, <laughs> in preparation for this interview, but I'm also familiar with your work, uh, your book, What Must I Do to Be Saved? And, yeah. and you talk about Romans quite a bit in that book. Uh, specifically, I'm looking at page 124 about how Paul writes very clearly, especially in Romans 8, provided we suffer with him. You know, that, that's how, as a Protestant, we were taught to ignore that phrase. And, and yet yeah. we have these warnings. Our suffering is not in vain. They're, they're contained in these warnings that Christ has for us. So take us through the meat of what was going on in what was the Holy Spirit telling you as, as a preaching message, as an evangelistic message? Well, I, again, I was reading chapter 13 of Romans, and, um, and it, it, you know, whenever anybody is considering a sermon or an article in which you're trying to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're using an Im- you want to have an image that will capture uh, the, uh, someone's imagination mm-hmm. so they can possibly hear the gospel. That's the point. That's why Jesus used parables. Right. And uh, he, he was doing that. And so now the you could spend several hours discussing the exegesis of Romans chapter 13 and how it fits in with the rest of the book. But I I've, I'm more driven, maybe it's because I'm 70 years old, pushing 71, that I, I sense a more urgency to life. Mm, mm. And I, I, I believe, Marcus, that that's one of the warnings that most of us ignore. Tell us more, please, that, Marcus. Because you're comple- uh, Tell us more exactly about that, because you're completely right. We don't seem to sense the urgency for the gospel message and just the sheer brevity of our human life. It, 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 the urgency... The seven astronauts in that shuttle, God rest their souls, the question is, did they realize that 72 seconds after they had a very successful takeoff, was their life going to end? Mm. And some of them were young. And so the question is, there's not a one of us here who was without excuse. In fact, you mentioned Romans again. I love that that uh, passage in Romans chapter 1, where Paul says to everybody, look, the evidence of God right. is clearly available in the creation that he's given to us. God has at least made it clear to every human being who has ever lived in their conscience that there is a creator and that they are creatures, 
And there are and there's two ways to life. All of salvation history can be summarized in the two ways. There's either God's way or there are other ways. Mm-hmm. And you choose. And one day, soon, we will be held accountable for what we've done in this life. That's right. what Scripture says. And Romans one twenty, and therefore they are without excuse. I gotta tell you, those words terrify me. <laughs> That's a warning. I mean it's clear, guys. It's there. And what's funny, this just this cracks me up, my friend. I don't do Facebook at all, except that when I post my blog uh, on my website, it automatically advertises that I put up a new article on Facebook and mm. Twitter. I don't, I don't do those. But what's funny was I happened to notice that a lot of people were responding to my article on Facebook. So I went over and I checked. And I'm telling you, 99% of the people, the only thing they were talking about is where they were when the shuttle happened. Wow. In other words, it's like, wait a second, wait, 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 wait. That's not the point right. of my article. The point is using that as an illustration to awaken us to, and I, I talked about four things in my article. One, how many of us get so distracted by all the pol- politics and economics of everything out there, and excuse me, that's not the main focus of our life. Amen. That is not the main focus, because most of that stuff's in the hands of God. There's not a thing we can do about it. We can spend our life worrying about it. We're going to miss the point. The second thing is, when it comes down to it, Paul says, we are to owe nobody anything except to love them. The bottom line, of course, and I'm preaching to the choir here. (laughs) I mean, you know, the the, the law and the prophets, everything, the foundation is, to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Right. That is the key, and we have a warning. Thirdly, don't put off until tomorrow, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, Paul says. Amen. Are, are we hearing the warning? And then I'll get the fourth one. He gives us a short list, but the bottom line is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, what the Catechism says about Christ's second coming. You know, uh, paragraph 673 about the fact that his second coming is imminent, despite the fact that, and the Catechism is very clear, puts it in uh, inverted commas, despite the fact that we presume it is delayed. His second coming is imminent and could happen at any moment. We ought to live in a way that that ensures that we are ready to at least encounter our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what you're trying to warn us in this article about heeding the warnings. Maybe the the most significant thing about my little article, which I just threw together Saturday morning, is that the warning I've said in there is not new at all. Mm. That's the point. There's nothing new in my article. It's not even brilliant. It's just... It's just saying the same thing, Marcus, that you and I have said, and how many preachers have said, and how many Catholic and Protestant preachers have said forever, and that is, guys, when are we going to wake up the fact that we will stand before Jesus right. for what we've done with the life we've been given? Right. And I think, and I'll, I'll just differ a little bit from you, only a little bit, and I think it's kind of funny, but, you know, is Christ coming tomorrow? Well, actually, when I read the Catechism and I read... Uh, uh, um, St. Augustine, City of God, Mm -hmm. and I look at Revelation 20, I think we're in a time of the great short period and maybe the the apostasy. Mm. And the point is, um, 
if Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, the point of it is it's going to keep getting worse. Right, right. We're in a difficult time, and there's no real light at the end of the tunnel except when Christ comes again. And so we need to learn to live out the gospel in this very difficult time in which we live. And all the evidence is out there in the news. That's why I'm saying the point of looking at the news is not just tearing our hair out. There have been so many cats let out of so many bags in this time we're living. We're in a difficult time. So our focus needs to be on Jesus and being ready to stand face to face with him. And at my age, it might happen tomorrow. Marcus, I want to thank you so much because that's a very powerful place to end this segment. We've been talking to Marcus Grodi, president and founder of the Coming Home Network. Marcus, we will be in touch. I just want you to know that we're fellow evangelists in the vignette. Stay tuned. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs> 